Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So this morning we're talking about prayer. We are finishing our series on prayer. We learn to pray by praying, not just listening to sermons on prayer. So I hope that this uh, isn't just a sermon, but it is an illustration and something that we are putting into practice in our lives. We chose to talk about prayer this month because it's so important to remind ourselves about the power of prayer and how imperative it is to our Christian life. Prayer is one of the main secrets we'll enjoy as a believer. It really is. And it's all about your relationship with God. It's one of the major ways that we partner with God to see heaven come to earth. It is how we see impossible situations change in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And Pastor Phil says this, he says, prayer is a force. It's a force. We saw that at our all-church prayer meeting, prayer and fasting during the week. Good on you guys who were there, praying with us, fasting with us. They were powerful, powerful times. Tim Keller, I want to read to you what he says about prayer. He says, prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also, I can't read... (laughs) can't read it at the moment. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable, unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in this life. We must learn to pray. We have to. It's great, isn't it? So, so good. So as we finish this series today, we're going to look at what is probably the most well-known prayer for Christians and non-Christians alike, and that is, of course, the Lord's Prayer. That's exactly right. The Lord's Prayer isn't just something you say. There is so much in the Lord's Prayer and there is so much that it tells us about prayer and about our relationship with God. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. I love that the disciples lived their life in a continual state of learning. They weren't living their life thinking, we know what we're doing, we've got it all together. We should be like that. We should live our lives. I want to make sure that I live my life in a continual state of learning, being a learner, being someone who doesn't think, well, I know all of that. I mean, you may have read and prayed the Lord's Prayer many times. I'm believing there's still something more for you today. Let's be learners. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, pray this way. And then he goes on to to go through the Lord's Prayer. What is he saying? Firstly, Jesus is trying to correct some of the attitudes and the customs that had crept in to how the Jews of the time prayed. Their prayers were all about form, 
Their prayers were all about show. Their prayers were all about what they said rather than what was going on on the inside of them. And that is religion. That is not God. And so Jesus comes along and he says, guys, that's not what it's all about. They had words, but they had no substance. Now, when we read through Matthew 6, and some of you will have heard me say this before, there are three different weapons of mass destruction to the enemy in Matthew 6. Three things. Prayer, fasting, and giving. All of those three things the enemy doesn't like and does not want us to be involved in. But it's interesting, if you read through Matthew 6, in all of those three things, Jesus says, it's not, don't pray so that everyone looks at you and thinks, oh, wow, you're a great prayer. Don't give so that everyone knows how much you give. And when you fast, don't look like you're fasting. Be happy. (laughs) That's probably the hardest one, I reckon, (laughs) for me. For me personally, maybe not for you. (laughs) Because they were all into religion. And that's just not God. He's into relationship. He's into what's going on inside of us. What's happening inside. So the Lord's Prayer is a way to pray. It teaches us what we should be praying into. But it isn't the only way to pray. There are other ways to pray. But I think... If Jesus says, pray this way, then we should look at what he's saying and we should learn from what he's saying and we should take what he's saying and apply it to our lives. So Matthew 6, we're starting with the message version and then we're going to flip over to the New Living Translation. Matthew 6, 7 to 8 says this, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven. The first word, our, that first word in the Lord's Prayer, that little word right there, it runs smack bang against the culture that pervades our society today. And that culture is this. What about me? Mine. It's mine. I. It's not my. It's our. It's not all about me. It's about us. It's together. It's family. It's team. It's coming corporately to our Father and the power that is in that. My destiny is not tied up in me alone. It is tied up in others, and so is yours. I am stronger when I'm living and learning and when I'm in community with others, and so are you. We cannot go it alone in life. You will be less successful in life if you aren't willing for your life to be a we rather than a me. 
you'll miss out. And right here in this, when, when he says, pray this way, our Father, here is an example of the power of corporate prayer. It's not an optional extra in my opinion. It's a vital key to bringing God's presence to earth. And I believe, I believe that God wants his church to pray together. And that his purposes are accelerated as we pray together. And it was a priority for the apostles. And they, they, um, they learnt what to do from Jesus. They walked with him, they lived with him. And he talked about prayer in 37 verses in the Gospels. And in 33 of those verses, he was talking about corporate prayer. 33 out of 37. Not private or personal prayer. So private or personal prayer is important. I'm lost without it. But corporate prayer is important. There is power in corporate prayer. There was a rushing wind that, that rushed through this place in our prayer meeting on Tuesday night, in our prayer and fasting meeting. It just came in. I could feel the presence of God blowing through this place. I love it. Okay. So, our Father. Don't worry, I'm not going through every word individually. So we will not be here till midnight tonight. Our Father. Father. For me, there are two parts to that word. Two things that God is saying when he says, pray this way. Our Father. Father is a title of honour. And Father is a call to relationship. It's a title of honour and it's a call to relationship. He is our Father. He is due honour. God is due all the honour. He wants us to come to him knowing that he is God. We magnify him over our lives. We come in to praying with that posture. You are our Father, God. You're due all the honour. You know, back in biblical times, it was the, the worst thing you could do was disrespect your father. He put that in there. We come to him with honour. But also he wants to have a relationship with us. Don't you love that he tells us to come? He says, come, come to me as your father, not almighty high God. It's not our almighty high God. He is our almighty high God. But he says, come as, my, as father. Not ruler, although he is the ruler. I'm reading some crazy theology books at the moment. They're crazy. And it's talking all about how he is the necessary being. Like, yeah, great, guys. Good. Just enjoy that. And he is. He is. Yeah, okay. It's not my... Anyway, I'm not going over there. He is that. But that's not how we come to him in prayer. We come to him as our father. He's my dad. And that changes everything. It's a call to relationship. 
But it's more than that. If, if, he's, if he's my father, then I'm his child. And not only that, I'm adopted. And all that comes with being his child. And he's looking out for me and he cares for me and he's listening to me and he's for me and not against me. That's how he wants us to come. Is that how you approach God when you pray? As a father who loves you and believes in you and wants to be with you? Have you watched a small child run up to their parents and just throw themselves at them? That's the, that's the picture here. He's the father. He says, when you come, when you come to me in prayer, come as, your, as the, knowing that I'm your father. It will set your whole prayer time up in a different way. Some of you need to change the way you see him. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy, sacred is your name. I consecrate my life to you. Today, every day, I consecrate my life to you. Hallowed means respected, revered. It's an expression of praise. So here's the question. When, what is it that you worship in life? What is hallowed and sacred in your life? What is put in the place of honor in your life? Because God is saying as you come, to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Put me in the place of honor in your life. Let me be the one that you worship in your life. Because we can have all sorts of other things that can jump up and be the hallowed one and be the sacred one and be the thing that we worship. And that becomes an idol and it doesn't have to be a, a bad thing for it to be an idol. I, I was in a, a period, many years ago in my, in my life, I was in a period where I got very burnt out. And the reason I got very, one of the reasons I got really burnt out was this. I let the church become the church, or you gorgeous people, the church be the idol in my life. I was reading Isaiah where it says, it says, you are my God. And God was like, am I? Really? I'm not sure if I am. I think you might have another God before me. And I went, oh, wow. It was just this total revelation that that had become the idol. Hallowed be your name. Your name. Nothing else before him. Nothing. Is it God or something or someone else? Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you, uh, you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. What do you enthrone over your life? That's the question this morning. Worries, concerns, seemingly impossible situations. They are enthroned. Financial stresses are enthroned. Other people's opinions are enthroned. Every day as we come to our Father, we should enthrone him over our lives with our praises. As we magnify him, what does a magnifying glass do? It's not a trick question. <laughs> 
yes, you're right. It makes things bigger. And when something gets bigger in relation to that, other things get smaller. As we magnify God over our lives, hallowed be your name, then the other things get smaller. God is big, right? He is so big, but we get to say how big he is sometimes. We say, oh, no, God, I don't think you can cope with that. I think I'll just put that over my life and carry that with me. No, come on. Magnify God over your life. Hallowed be your name, God. You have it all. Okay. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, pray that the kingdom of God comes to earth and pray that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the praying Christian that brings God's will and heaven to earth. Or else he wouldn't say it. It's in the Lord's prayer. It's the praying Christian. John G. Lake says the church has been negligent in one thing. She has not prayed the power of God out of heaven. Smith Wigglesworth says, if you want anything from God, you'll have to pray into heaven. That's where it all is. If we live in in the earth realm and expect to receive from God, we will never get anything. Faith grabs hold of the reality of heaven and it doesn't let go. And it brings the reality of heaven down to earth. It keeps seeking, it keeps asking, it keeps knocking, and until it sees the reality of heaven here on earth. It's one of the reasons we pray, to see heaven come down. Some of you are here today and you're facing impossible situations that do not reflect heaven, that do not reflect the will of God. I want to encourage you to pray that heaven would come in that situation. That it would come in your situation. Not just for the person next to you, that it would come in your situation. God wants it to come in your situation. Don't just accept that what you are seeing is how it has to be. Don't. Some of you have said, I cannot do anything about that. It's just the way it has to be. I want to I I challenge that thought. He said, pray, that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Here you go. Here we have an indication that Jesus is telling us that daily prayer is the model. Give us today our daily bread. God, today I come to you. I'm asking you to give me all that I need for today. Every day, God, I need to connect with you. The manna. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, the manna that God provided for them, it lasted for the day, apart from the Sabbath. And if they tried to hoard it and hold on to it, it went rotten. Didn't it? Right, phone off. (sighs) My 
phone is always turned off. I turned it on this morning because of the disaster out there. Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> ah, praise Jesus. Where was I? Today has enough worries of its own. Don't we know that? <laughs> Matthew 6 says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Mm, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. That's an exciting scripture, isn't it? <laughs> There's enough tomorrow to worry about tomorrow. It's got its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. Today, every day I need to go to God. I need to unload. I really do. I'm sure you do too. And we ask him every day to meet our daily needs. He says that. Come to me and ask me to meet your daily needs. Protection, provision, you can't go for a day without that, you know, because the reason why is because it's a relationship. It's not just rules and regular. It's a relationship. Paul was away for a lot of this week, and we connect every day when he's away or if I'm away because we're in a relationship. It's the same with our relationship with God. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Jesus right here is talking about the model for our relationships here on earth. And isn't that exciting? And it starts with the word forgiveness. You're in a relationship, you're going to need to use some of this, forgiveness. It's one of the most powerful keys for us to receive healing in every area of our life in our soul, in our body, in our mind. Forgiveness and healing actually go together in the Bible. Did you know that? God is saying, every day, come into my presence and ask me to forgive you. Because why? Because it keeps our hearts soft. It brings, brings me into the light over things that I would prefer not to even think about. Not you, I know. I know you're cool with it. It brings, it brings me into the light and because attitudes can build up and I need to let God shine his light on those attitudes. My heart can become hard and I need him to, to create in me a clean heart. Or I can become even worse, I can become indifferent. Or even worse than that, I can become cynical. That'll ruin your life. James 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer and forgiveness and healing, they're all together in this, in this, in this place. You know, I've had, it's not comfortable, is it? Confess, doing that scripture, right? Confessing your sins to each other. You don't confess your sins to everyone, by the way. It'll just not heal and not bless your relationship, you know. Don't do that. But there are times in our life where we actually have to go and let the light shine on something. Because if we don't, it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, as if we do, the power is taken right out of it, and we can actually start to deal with it. That's why the Bible says that. 
confess your sins to each other. I've had to do it. I've had to go and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. And it was not easy, but it was really good. It was the path to healing. So don't... The Bible knows what it's talking about. It's not just about us asking God to forgive us and receiving forgiveness from him. Jesus says every day we forgive others. Every day. Just as we've been forgiven, we forgive. Every single day you will get at least one opportunity. I'm prophesying this. (laughs) You will get at least one opportunity to forgive someone for something they say, for something they do, for something they don't do, for something that you thought they should do. You will get an opportunity every single day. And if we don't keep a short account, then we just, we just become hard and cynical and life is not good. The Bible tells us that our forgiveness is dependent on us forgiving others. What does that mean? It means that we determine our own judgment. That's pretty cool. <laughs> our forgiveness. It's dependent on us forgiving others. That's what it says there. It says it actually in other verses as well. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Do not lead me into temptation today. God, as I go into my day today, I am totally dependent on you. God, I need you. I need your grace. God, thank you for your grace. Help me. Don't let me give in to anything today. Don't let me look at that or see that or say that or or think that. God, deliver me from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Let's look at James 4. I need your grace today. But he gives greater grace. Therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you, your hearts, you double-minded. You know what? We live in this world, but there is another world, right? The spiritual world. And we, uh, we have some days the battle is fierce, Some days, some of you think, oh my goodness, it can't get any fiercer. But do you know, it tells us here how to get through those moments, how to get through those tough situations. It says, it doesn't just say resist the devil and he will flee from you. It actually says, submit to God. First, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that submitting to God actually means... The word submit means put yourself under. And that means if we put ourselves under God and we're submitted to God, guess what? Between you and the devil is God. It's God. Psalm 91 says that he has the power that no foe can withstand. 
He is the almighty God, mate. Nothing can get through that. Some people spend all their life trying to resist the devil, but they haven't done the first step, which is submit to God. Put yourself under God. Then, God's there. Resist the devil. He'll flee. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Okay. That's how you fight the devil. That's a very simple, that's very simple but it's, it's true. Come up, guys. Musos. It ends with this. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I love that we start. We start our prayer. Hallowed be your name. We start our prayer praising and worshipping God and enthroning him in our lives. And we end the prayer saying, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a bookend. There is so much power in doing that in our lives. The Bible says that the increase of of his government, there will be no end. Jesus taught us to pray this way every day. Connect with God in heaven who is our Father. Worship Him. Ask Him for His provision and His, prote- His protection. Keep a short account with Him over the things that are going on in our life and forgive others. Let it go. Let it go. Hey, I know it's not easy. But I think that's why it's daily. Sometimes I go again and I say, I forgive them again, God. And tomorrow I'm forgiving them again. And I'm going to keep forgiving them until it's done. (laughs) Submit to God. Resist the devil. And declare his kingdom in this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.